0: Before we get into this week's episode, I wanted to remind you that my short story is available for free at johntilton.com. If you sign up for my newsletter, I'll send you both the ebook and audiobook of Doomed Dune. In this middle-grade adventure, a girl named Melina travels to a forbidden landmark guarded by tyrannical robots, but her life turns upside down when she discovers a true reason it's off-limits. Discover Doom Dune's secret by heading over to johntilton.com. That's J-O-N-T-I-L-T-O-N dot com. Thanks again, and I hope you enjoy this week's episode. Welcome to Cause of Craft. I'm your host, John Tilton. Why do we create? Where do our ideas come from? What does our craft say about us? These are the ideas we explore here on the show. Each episode, I interview a different guest from writers and painters to musicians and filmmakers. Together, we investigate the creative process and the reasons behind why we create. Have you ever stepped back and wondered how you got to where you are today? This week's guest, Amanda Gearhart, shares her unique journey from childbirth educator to starting her own baking business. We also discuss the beauty in baking with family, how non-traditional career paths are becoming more acceptable, tips for new creatives, and more. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Welcome to the show, Amanda.
1: Hey, John, thanks so much for having me.
0: So congratulations are in order because you just started your own LLC. So you're baking... Is now an official company. How does that feel?
1: It feels really good. I'm excited to get started with it. I still have a little bit of paperwork that needs processing before I can sell,
0: but yeah, it's really exciting. What made you decide that you wanted to go from you know baking for fun to baking professionally?
1: Uh, so <laughs> I think honestly, the biggest reason is that I didn't want to keep eating my baked goods.
0: <laughs> so.
1: <laughs> Um. Yeah, but no, I, I really enjoy baking. I always have. But honestly, like who was going to consume them um, was always a big thing. And I do have a big sweet tooth. So if they're laying around the house, I will eat them. My husband is a huge cookie lover. So they they really don't last long. Um, in our house. And this way I get to have that creative outlet. I get to do my baking, but I get to share it with others. And I I think that is a huge highlight uh, of baking is when you put that much effort and time and love into something and then get to share it with somebody else who gets to enjoy it. That's just really cool to me.
0: Yeah, I think that's awesome too. So, so it's both that you love the art of baking these cookies and decorating them and all this. But it's also kind of like the safety issue of, oh, I'm going to have way too much sugar than any human should consume. So I need to figure out what to do with all these.
1: (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. I mean, if I'm being totally honest, that is definitely part of it.
0: (laughs) So let's back up a little bit. Um, So in your childhood, did you bake a lot as a kid? Or what are your earliest memories with baking?
1: I think it goes back to that cliche of grandma's cookies, right? So, or, or remembering grandma baking in the kitchen. Um, my dad's mom, my grandma has a really amazing chocolate chip cookie recipe, which sounds pretty basic, but they're amazing. And so I definitely have memories And one year, I remember, too, we went apple picking with them and went back to my grandparents' house and uh, baked apple pies together. So I think there are family memories there around spending time together and doing it with each other and, and learning baking that way. And then on my mom's side, my meme, she was a big baker. She would do all of our birthday cakes and cakes for major events and holidays And we call them meme cake um, because she had a specific frosting that was amazing and delicious. And any extended family or friends that were over for any of those events would rave about her cakes. She was fantastic at decorating, doing like the buttercream flowers and those kinds of things. And right before college, I feel like I started taking more of an interest in the decorating. And she did do a couple of lessons with me and my sister, Alex. She's into baking too. But I I feel like I didn't take advantage of that like I should have. And again, I I always liked baking, but I didn't bake a lot because I didn't want to eat all the baked goods. And um, yeah, so I think I'll stop there (laughs) because... I feel like I'm going to get into why I'm baking now if I keep going.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, you can get straight into that. Um, but yeah, I actually do kind of want to pause for a second because it's interesting that you talk about how like you didn't take full advantage of her teaching when it was happening. And I think that happens to a lot of people. Like that's I've talked to other people on the show. Uh, specifically, I'm thinking about the conversation I had with my friend Kaylin and we were talking about just in college, it's like certain things you don't pay attention to that that you end up finding that's really important later to your future. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, we don't know how the course of our life will develop. And it's like, you can't, you can't pay full attention to every single thing. But as, as you start to move ahead in your life, certain bits of your past, I think, come together, and you realize that there was something there. But it's not necessarily that You not giving it the fullest in that moment made you not be able to do it today. Like it might have been that that was the planting of the seed, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I do. And I think that's true, especially, you know, for a non traditional route towards something, because I feel like now it's becoming more acceptable not to have a more traditional job or do like the four year college route. Um, So doing anything culinary never would have even occurred to me at that time. But Yeah, like you were saying, I think it definitely did plant seeds. And I think if you're really drawn towards something, it'll come back around or you'll find it again.
0: When did you start to think, oh, this is something that I want to spend more time doing?
1: It's going to sound like I'm getting off topic a little bit with this answer, but I usually around the holidays I I get the urge to bake. I I don't know who doesn't really. It's just something about this season. So usually starting around Halloween and then through Christmas I I tend to bake a lot more anyway but uh, okay so here's where it sounds like I'm I'm getting really off course but <laughs> bear with me after i had my first i fell in love with birth and i really wanted to pursue that, which that was another surprise that, you know, I never thought that I would really get into or anticipated. But I became a childbirth educator in 2017. I've been doing it since. And then the same uh, weekend that our lockdown started here in 2020 in Georgia, I found out that I was pregnant with our third. So being pregnant, having a baby, Having postpartum and being a childbirth worker during the pandemic, that was very emotionally taxing. And I won't, I'm, that's like a whole nother podcast (laughs) to talk about any of that stuff. But I found that uh, after I had my third. He was born right before Thanksgiving, so it fell into that holiday season where I got the urge to bake anyway, and I was just having a lot of compassion fatigue being so newly postpartum at that time, and baking really became my outlet for that. I felt like I was able to step away from things and clear my head and do something that I enjoy and, again, produce products that people could also enjoy so it kind of stemmed from all of that and i like couldn't stop baking <laughs> so i started taking a bunch of online classes and trying baking new things that i hadn't baked before and when i created my instagram account initially i i did not have the intention of selling i was just going to try to st- share my baking journey and things that I was learning um, and and different baked goods that I was baking. Uh, and then it it kind of evolved from that.
0: Yeah, it's funny that you you were kind of apologizing about, oh, this might sound like it's off topic or things like that. But I think a lot of artists and people who create things, I think people relate to that because, you know, like you're saying, it's almost this outlet, or I think of writing and talking with painters and other disciplines and just having this kind of outlet or way to express yourself or even have a way to process things, I think different crafts are a great way to, to again, express or get something out of your system. And from there, it does often for people evolve into something bigger. And so I think, you know, it's almost like nothing's quite completely off topic, because our lives are so intertwined with the things that we create, because that you know a lot of inspiration goes into that and when you started talking about about it it was like yeah this definitely I can tell why you thought this was off topic but then at the same time it's like well again our our lives are kind of interwoven together with everything that we do
1: yeah i love that and i guess i i've always thought about writing as being a form of expression or painting like you said and getting it out that way but i i don't think until i started using baking that way that i would have considered that to be an artistic outlet. So that's been really cool. And I like the fact that it's edible art. So I get to, you know, explore the arts a little bit that way um, with the decorating and and have that outlet too.
0: So these sugar cookies are the ones that you're focused on now, but you were experimenting with some other things prior to that?
1: Correct. Mm-hmm.
0: What were some of the things that that you tried before. And I guess you probably still like to bake other things too, but then why did you end up focusing on the sugar cookies?
1: I do like baking other things still. So I was doing cakes, which was a lot of fun. Uh, I did cakes for uh, all of our family's birthdays this past year. So I did one for my daughter's birthday in January, my husband in February, and then my middle child in March. So that has been really fun. I do actually love cupcakes, so I might down the road add those in. It's really hard to say with such a young family because baking is extraordinarily time consuming. I don't know if people realize how much time and energy it really does take to create any baked good. I did macarons for a little while. Those are an emotional roller coaster. So when when I was turning to something because I was emotionally drained, I realized that was not going to be my thing, just because they're they're so temperamental and everything. Like the stars basically have to align to get those to turn out. Um, and I was finally mastering them, which was really exciting. But around the time that I was finally mastering them. My neighbor here had a friend visiting from New York and she messaged me and she said, hey, my friend's visiting and she took up cookieing during the pandemic and she's been doing really well with it. I know you really like baking. Would you be interested if we come over and she teaches you how to do royal icing and decorating cookies? So I immediately jumped on that and was really excited about it. Um, so yeah, so they came over and, um, she hung out with my kids while her friend taught me how to do the Royal icing. And we did just some basic shapes and some basic decorating. I don't know why I was intimidated by the Royal icing. So that's why I hadn't tried it up until that point. Um, I know that I knew that there were different consistencies and things like that. And I just... I don't know why I didn't have the confidence to touch that. But after she was over, I realized, hey, this is actually not that hard to make. (laughs) And I already have been watching a bunch of videos from other bakers on my Instagram feed. And I just think it's so therapeutic. I don't know if you've ever watched a cookie being flooded and decorated but it was very therapeutic just to watch. And then when I was doing it, I was like, this is as relaxing and meditative to do as it is to watch. So I kind of fell in love with that immediately. And then I, I know that, you know, decorating cakes and cupcakes, that definitely you can view that as being artistic too. But I just really liked the level of detail with the royal icing, and because there's different consistencies of the icing, I felt like I could control the design a little bit better than I could with the buttercream.
0: You mentioned all of these memories that you have baking with your grandparents. So are you creating new memories with your children now making these cookies? Do you try to involve them in the process?
1: Yeah, I love that question. I do. My daughter is five, and she specifically is very much into cooking and baking. Always has been. I it might have something to do with the fact that um, when I was pregnant with her brother, I would try to get her to nap, and I'm real. I really enjoy Food Network, and it would put her to sleep. So <laughs> I don't know if you know, that exposure to chopped or whatever has sparked that for her, but she does really like to help in the kitchen. So we do try to, to let her help with dinner and stuff like that. And I think, yeah, my childhood of doing that with my grandmoms, I think that does come into play and those are really fond memories for me. I feel like it's a good way to bond. You're, you're teaching some skills, and again, for me, baked goods always equate with love and showing somebody love when when you bake for them. And so I do involve her as much as I can. Now it gets a little bit tricky with the selling because with the selling, she now is not allowed to have anything to do with it. So <laughs> I do like it though. I, I think part of it too is important that they see me finding things that i'm interested in and pursuing passions and i i do like to model that for them too so yeah
0: and so are they they're disappointed both not being able to participate in the the ones that you are selling, but also I would imagine not being able to eat them as well.
1: Yeah, so <laughs> my my daughter, it's definitely more so the decorating. She um, she really does enjoy being involved with the process, and I don't know really how she does it, but she, I mean, she does like to you know lick the spoons and stuff like that when we bake for ourselves. But she's definitely more into the process, whereas my son, he uh, he now, if he sees me baking cookies, he will come up and I'll say, you baking cookies? And I'll tell him, yeah. Um, and he's three, by the way. And he'll say, those cookies for us?
0: <laughs> so <laughs>
1: anytime I bake now is like, do I get some of that? Do I get to eat those? <laughs> so, And I think my husband probably feels the same way that he does. So um, they're on board. They're very supportive, but there's definitely a, a touch of disappointment there that they won't just be in the house for us to eat all the time now.
0: <laughs> and so at the beginning, you were talking about kind of this edible art You were sort of hinting at that there was something a little bit deeper there. Like, what is it about making art that you can eat that's so special?
1: You know, I think it's one of those things and cakes and cupcakes can fall into this too, I think. But usually when we go for baked goods, we're celebrating something. There's something there where family's gathering or friends are getting together And a lot of cookiers will do custom cookies. So they can be personalized with sayings, with names, with themes that are meaningful and significant to somebody. So that aspect of it is really cool because you get to participate in a small way in making that event or that occasion even more special.
0: So again, you can decorate a cookie where it's beautiful and it's and it's a cookie, but then there's, I feel like your cookies and the cookies of people that do work similar to yours, it's so many steps beyond just like a beautiful cookie. Like it's nice that photography exists so you can remember that you made the cookie and it still exists in some way. But again, it's not the same as looking at it in person or having the actual cookie. I guess I, I think about like the amount of time that you put into one individual cookie that that's eaten and you know, however many seconds. It's like of course I want the beautiful cookie to exist. But to me I'm like I don't know if I personally would be able to spend so much time making a cookie knowing like that it's it's going to be eaten at the end.
1: <laughs> I think sometimes I feel that. <laughs> for sure. I mean yes and no because it they are time consuming. I don't know if people realize how long they take to make. I mean, you have the cookies that you have to bake, obviously, if you're going to decorate them, and then you have to make the royal icing. I'm getting quicker at it, but it's still time consuming, adding in the colors, mixing the different consistencies, bagging all of it. And then for actual decorating, if you're adding designs or doing a little bit more intricacy with it, it, that takes a lot of time too, because as I mentioned, you have to let different layers dry. The drying time looks different depending on the person, depending on the tools that you're using. I know some use dehydrators to help speed up the the process. I just use a fan to help them dry. It also helps prevent catering so that the icing doesn't kind of sink in on itself. Um, So it serves more of a purpose than just drying them. But you have that wait time, which, I mean, it works out because if you're doing different designs, then you kind of do one design and whatever portion of decorating you're doing for that one. And then while that one's drying, you can work on the next cookie design. But yeah, they, I mean, when I do this, it is usually a two to three day process to make the cookies. Yes, it hurts a little bit knowing that they get eaten pretty quickly after all of that. But I think the satisfaction of seeing the finished product and then like you mentioned, I I take pictures of all of them. So I have pictures that I can go back to and look at. I don't know. I mean, I, I guess it's worth it then because I've been able to create this product that I'm really proud of. I learned something with each set that I do too, which is really nice. So yeah, I have this product that I'm proud of that I've poured a lot of time and energy in and no, it doesn't take long to eat it (laughs) for the amount of minutes that I've spent on just one individual cookie for it to be eaten in less than a minute
0: it's not the only thing like that either um, because maybe in the the art world, it's more unique, but y- you think of life in general and you know, your kids having a birthday party, you might put all this planning into the birthday party and the birthday party lasts an hour or two. You know, there's just lots of things that so much planning goes into it. Um, mm-hmm. And then the actual moment, or you think about like a wedding, all the planning that goes yeah. into a wedding and then the wedding happens over the course of hours. And then it was the wedding, but it's, I don't know like I I think there is some connection to what you were talking about earlier with how you're often making these cookies for some sort of celebration. It's almost like a a way to signify like this event is special and worth all the time to create this moment where there's this beautiful thing that's a part of it. So even though it takes all that time like you were saying it's it's worth it in some way because the moment's bigger than just Oh, the cookie's gone now. Like mm-hmm. like there was, there's more to it than just it's here and it's not here.
1: Yeah. And it's funny you mention that because I feel like it hurts me a lot more to decorate the house for a birthday that lasts a few <laughs> hours and then take all the decorations on and throw it out. Like that hurts me more than the cookies do. So I think too, maybe it just depends on your perspective and where the priorities are too. <laughs> well,
0: and what you're passionate about, right? Because I'm I'm sure that there's some people what you're saying about how the creation of the cookie for you, like the process of that gives you something.
1: And maybe just because it's more meaningful. It's interesting too, just talking about this because I am not selling yet, but I have done a couple sets for friends, close friends that live here and I'm really happy to do them. I, I mean, I love the process regardless, but I've found that if I am more in control of the theme or I'm, you know, I'm doing a class that I signed up for because I'm really excited about the design the creativity flows a lot more easily than if someone is like, hey, can you make me cookies for X, Y, or Z purpose? Which I find really interesting because I I know, uh, like I mentioned, a lot of cookiers do custom orders, and I think that's really cool. But for me, I had already had it in my head that I was going to do um, – I was going to create themes and do X number of sets each month and sell them. And a lot of that stemmed just from the fact that custom cookies would be really hard for me to do right now. Um, I've already talked about how time consuming they are. So you really need advance notice. But then I have a five year old, a three year old, and a nine month old. And trying to find that time can be really challenging and having to have cookies for someone by a specific date is uh, a little challenging for me right now (laughs) because you never know, especially with the baby, you just never know how your day is going to go necessarily. And most of my baking that I do now, I do it on the weekends when my husband's home. And as I mentioned, he's been super supportive with this. And um, so he'll help a lot with the kids and free up my time because... Uh, I do very much get lost in it when I'm working on them. I have no idea what's going on in the house when I'm <laughs> when I'm doing the cookies, because um, I I do get really wrapped up in it. But I find a lot more joy and a lot more. I feel like I I can express myself a lot more with the themes that I pick versus when I'm doing a, a specific something that somebody's asked for. And I don't mean that to sound ungrateful or like I didn't enjoy doing sets for other people, but I, I think this has helped me realize that even when I do have more free time, I'm not sure that I'll go the the custom cookie route and might continue with the, you know, making themed sets every month and doing pop-ups or farmer's markets or whatever, where I'm selling cookies
0: that I've already made. So kind of going back to the craft a little bit. So you have, you'll purchase uh, pre-made cutters, but those are like such a blank slate still. So it's, you know, like I'm looking at one on your, your Instagram now that's, you did like kind of a strawberry lemonade theme. So you have like a pitcher or a strawberry, but then the way that you fill it in like it's so beautiful. And so I would imagine it's it's your unique take on it. Do you do a lot of experimentation to get to that point? Or do you kind of have a vision of what you want in the design in the first place?
1: Um, Usually, I, some of the earlier sets on there, like the 4th of July one that I did, um, I did like mountains and a truck and an RV and I think fireworks. And so for that one... Um, And a few few others of the earlier ones I did, I actually took pen to paper and would draw out the design first and kind of work through it that way. And for some of the sets, I would do that and think I had it and then would end up scrapping it and (laughs) starting over and sketching something else out. It also helps me kind of plan you know, what what colors I want to use and what different consistencies I need for each color and how much of each color I need. But I, I think that's the cool thing about the cookie cutters though. And I know there, there are even groups on Facebook about flipping the cookie cutters, so um hey, I have this cookie cutter. What different things can I do with it, or how else can I use it other than than the obvious? And I think it's really neat too, looking at things that other cookiers have done on Instagram and how they have used different cutters in different ways, different unique ways. So I think that's the neat thing about it, and that was actually really intimidating at first because, you can have the cookie cutter, but like you said, it's it's really just the outline of whatever the shape or the design is. And it's really up to you to fill in the rest. And um, that was really intimidating in the beginning. But yeah, there there are some cookie cutters that sell stamps, essentially. So you have the cookie cutter itself to cut the shape out, but then the stamp kind of makes indents basically on the cookie to help guide that process. But at least from what I've seen, that's not super common. So I I think that's where a lot of that ability to express yourself artistically comes out because you have so much control over the design in that way.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because it's almost like the more complex the work is for you. The less complicated, like the design is. So I, again, I'm on your Instagram comparing different photos here, and mm-hmm. there's one of a bunch of stencils, and it's clearly for the ones that are the strawberry lemonade mm-hmm. uh, set that you did. And the one I do, I'm just looking at it every which way. I cannot figure what it, out what it is, <laughs> and then I figured out, oh wait, it's the picture, But you you added so much detail to it that it really doesn't it doesn't come alive until you filled it in. It reminds me of growing up, we had a bunch of different Christmas cookie cutters. Mm-hmm. And I think the ones that had the greatest potential for us as kids ended up being the ones that just without any expertise, just didn't look anything like it. Like we had this, this cookie cutter of Santa Claus carrying like a sack of toys, but he would never guess of what it was because it was just so, it's such a vague strange shape versus if it's a candy cane, it's like, okay, well, now all you have to do is add the stripes, you know, mm-hmm. versus Santa Claus. It's like, well, if you're going to make that look like Santa Claus, like you got to know what you're doing. Like like you have to plan that out and like really put it together.
1: I think it's funny you mentioned that too, because I, I mean, I'm in a bunch of different cookie Facebook groups too. And every so often somebody will post a picture of a cutter and be like, can someone please help me? What is this? And it's just... <laughs> really interesting. Like some of the answers are hilarious. And sometimes, you know, it does like if you turn it different ways, you can use it for different things. So it's also interesting to see how people interpret the different
0: shapes too. So before we wrap up here, for people who enjoy baking, making sweets, do you have any advice that they could kind of up their game with?
1: Yeah. So I would say, which I I didn't follow this particularly myself, but you don't need all of the things to get started. Um, So play around with what you have. And I I think, you know, reading up on it, because Google can be a wonderful thing for this too. But there's so many baking blogs where you can read tips and tricks for, you know, if your cookies are spreading, what can you do? And I, you know, some things there. For example, using a silicone baking mat can help reduce the spreading, and making sure that your cookie dough isn't too warm, and things like that. So um, you can definitely go go that route. I I think the biggest advice that I would have, though, if you're just starting out, is don't compare yourself to others <laughs> because. Like you said, you know, like looking through Instagram, all of other people's work is out there. Other people's work is very easily accessible and readily available. I have learned so much just following other bakers' accounts. The baking community is crazy supportive of one another, um, which is really awesome. It's a really fun community to be part of. But It's really easy just starting out to look at other people's work and say, oh, they make it look so easy, you know, especially with the sped up videos because you're not even watching it in real time. Um, So I think it makes it look even easier that way too. But yeah, just know, I mean, it's a journey. It's a process. I think the, if you're getting out of it, what you want, like being able to create something and share something delicious with somebody, that's the most important thing. And with practice and, and reading up on stuff, I think you'll be able to get to the level. That you want to be at, but like you were saying, you're going to be able to put your own spin on it. So even if there is someone's work that you really like, um, don't compare yourself, and you know, find your own way to express yourself.
0: That's good advice for really any creative field because you know, first, not needing a lot to get started. I'm sure there's some. I'm not thinking of any right now, but there's there's probably some fields that you need more to get started than others. But just thinking about writing and even talking with other, like my cousin Elaine was on a couple of weeks back and she had very similar advice too, where it's like, you know, you think, oh, I need all this, all this equipment to get started. But if you're starting to get into something, keeping it simple is probably going to give you the best route to finding some sort of success in it. And to getting used to the basics and not going overboard and not overwhelming yourself. So I think that's, I think that's great advice, no matter what discipline you're kind of exploring. And then also just that idea of, and like you said, like social media makes it difficult here because you're seeing all these people who are interested in the same type of art you're in, but Mm -hmm. they might be on year 10, 15, 20 of it. And, you know, here you are starting on day two Mm -hmm. and it is easy to get, disheartened because you haven't gotten to the level that you want to picture yourself at. Whereas, well, everyone had to start somewhere, you know, everyone who's creating something that you're just admiring, they started with something that to them, they felt like, oh, well, this isn't good enough. But they decided, well, I'm going to keep at it and get better and better. So I think those are two great things, not just for people who are, who are interested in baking, but people who are interested in exploring any sort of creative outlet.
1: I think it's definitely applicable to other areas, and I, I think it—you know—it's—it's it's about the journey and the process of learning more and learning from your mistakes because you will make mistakes, but that's okay. Like I said, I learn from every set I do, and that is because I make mistakes with every set I do, which is fine. Um, and I think that's part of the the growth process and part of what makes it fun.
0: Thanks again, Amanda, so much for coming on the podcast. Can you share with everyone what the best ways to see your cookies are?
1: Sure. So the best way to see my cookies is on Instagram. And my handle is Royally Iced Baker.
0: And we will have links to that and your website in the show notes. And yeah, thanks again for coming on. It was great talking with you.
1: I had so much fun. Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Cause of Craft. You can find links to Amanda's website and Instagram in the show notes. Hit that follow button so you never miss an episode. And if you enjoy the show, please consider sharing with a friend and leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Those reviews help new listeners find the show. And if you have feedback, suggestions, or guest recommendations, send an email to john at causeofcraft.com. That's J-O-N at causeofcraft.com. Thanks again for listening, and see you next week.